This is the last part of a series called Haunted. And if you're here for the first time today, thanks for coming and checking out LifePoint. We've been talking about things that haunt us in life and keep us from living the life that God has planned for each of us. I want to start out doing something. Ask everybody to close your eyes. We're not weird or anything. Nobody's going to do anything to you. Just close your eyes. And I want you to, I want you to think back 10 years in your life and what was going on. And just kind of think about a few things. Then think back 20 Then take a few seconds and go 30 if you can go that far back. And think about the things that were going on in your life, specific things when you were in your 20s, when you were a teenager, or maybe even back up to your 30s, when just stuff going on and just think about it. Well, for many of us, when we go back like that, you can open your eyes now. No napping during the message. When we go back like that and think about our past, for many of us, we're haunted by it. We, we think back to our past and think, I wish I hadn't have done that. Or I wish I had have done something different. And it haunts us. That's not the life that God has planned for anyone. No matter what you've done, no matter how bad you think you might be, that's not God's will for your life. For your past to define you every single day. The Bible says something very different when we start talking about the individual's past and what God thinks about that and what we should think about it. The ushers are bringing Bibles up and down the aisles right now. If you don't have a Bible, just raise your hand. They'll give you one. It's yours to keep. We're going to read from some scriptures in there that talk about our past and how we can be free from it and we don't have to live haunted by it. The first one that I want to read to you is from the book of John. Chapter 8, verse 36, it says, So if the Son sets you free, you are truly free. But why is it that people who, eat, who have even trusted in Christ to forgive their sins and erase their past still live haunted by it? Because Jesus himself said those words, If I set you free, you're free. You don't have to be haunted by that stuff. You don't have to live with it day to day. I'm not talking about just remembering the past. It would be impossible without some kind of drug or shock therapy or something like that to forget the past and not be able physically to remember it. See, we've all got bad decisions in our lives. We can all look back, and when we did that little exercise, you were thinking, oh, I wish, I wish, I wish things could have been different or I would have done things differently. We all look back. And remember things like that. But here's what you need to know. Remembering our past and being haunted by it is not the same thing. It's different. I mean, you can't unremember something. You can't unsee something. And you can't look into the past and undo something. But when people are haunted by their past, it's not the same as remembering. Because haunted is when it affects you on a day-to-day basis. Haunted is when, when it affects relationships today for something that may have happened a decade or even further back ago. Haunted is when it affects the way you make decisions now or when it affects your, your relationship with God or all uh, relationships with other people because you can't stop playing those tapes over and over and over again in your mind. And it's a scary thing to live haunted by our past. 
Because the past is something we have no control over. Once, once this day is over, we can't go back and change this day. And it's scary to live haunted by things that happen in our past. Does anybody like to scare people? Who likes to hide behind the wall, a corner in their house, and hide behind the door in the closet? I love it. I mean, even, even our girls, they're not off limits. I will scare them anytime. I mean, they've got nerves of steel now because, you know, since they were little, you know, dad could have been hidden in the closet doing, you know, when they open the door. I'm just prepping them for life. Life can be scary sometimes, you know, and they're ready for it. My wife is off limits, however. I do not scare her. That scares me to think about scaring my wife. But around the office all the time, I'm scaring people. Uh, Joel Close, the, our worship arts pastor, the guy's here today, he, he uh, was coming out of the restroom one day, and, and I knew he was in there and heard the fan on, you know. And so he's in the restroom, and I go in his office, and I hide behind the door. And I think this is really going to scare him. He comes out, and I didn't jump out and yell, boo, I'm just standing there behind the door. And, you know, he sees this presence, and he looks around, and there I am behind the door, and he starts beating me, you know, with the magazine he had in his hand. It's like, stop it, don't do this to me. And everybody's always like, is Donnie hidden behind the door? Is he trying to scare people? And nobody has the nerve to get me back. Not only am I the boss, I'm just a guy that plays really great practical jokes, so they're afraid to get me back. Well, last week, 2 o'clock in the morning, Cinda and I are fast asleep. And this boom that felt like our foundation shook. What it was, this big metal like candlestick thing fell off the wall in our dining room. But when it hit the, ground, hit the floor, it sounded like somebody kicked my front door in. And from the time that thing made the noise, I don't know if the noise waves actually stopped before I was out of bed like... I mean, I was like ready to go. And my heart was like, I could feel it beating in my chest. And I, I go in there like, oh, I'm going to have to protect my family. And I don't know if I'm ready to do this. And, and then I see it laying on the floor and I laugh. And, and I think, okay, well, that paid me back for all the scaring I do to people. For as fun as it is to scare somebody, it's no fun when I talk to people who are living in fear of their past and allowing it to define who they are today. When I started thinking about this message and my life, what are the things that really haunt us? Well, we're haunted by a few things. We're haunted by things that came from us. I'm haunted by things that came from me. Either things that when I look into the past and you look back 10, 20, 30 years, you were haunted by things because of what you did. Maybe by, because of what you didn't do. So you're haunted by things that you didn't do. I wish I would have gone to school. I wish I would have taken that risk. Maybe if we would have taken the job, moved cross country, things would have been different. I wish we would have had kids. I wish I would have gotten married. I wish I could find somebody to marry. You know, all those, all those things in our past that we didn't do, we can be haunted by. And then the things in our past that we did do, like, oh, no, I can't believe I did that. I can't believe I ever let myself get in that situation. I can't believe I compromised my morals. I can't believe I lied to this person. I can't believe I betrayed this person. And looking into our past and thinking, I just wish I hadn't have done that. I wouldn't be living with such regret. Well, all of those things, what we didn't do that we wish we had and what we did that we wish we hadn't, those work together to bring us to today and make us who we are. And no matter how bad you think those things might be, and they might be some really bad things that you've done, those things do not have to define your future. They may just be a fact about your past, but they don't have to be a definition of what your future is going to be like. 
When Jesus Christ came to earth, it's very clear from reading Scripture that he came to specialize in really messed up people. He came to go to the people who needed him the most. You know the kind of people Jesus hung out with? You know, if Jesus came to, on earth, if he came to earth today, if he just showed up in Raleigh, North Carolina today, I don't think he would be here at church. He, that's not what he did then. He didn't just show up at church and say, okay, I'm here to run the place. That's not what he did at all. He went to where the people were who needed him. In fact, all the time, Jesus was hanging out with sinners. The Bible says he's hanging out with, with tax collectors. You know what a tax collector was in the first century? Pretty much the same thing they are today. A little worse. You know, if, they, if a tax collector knocked on your door and had his big IRS badge on and said, hey, hey I've been meaning to stop by and see you, it would strike fear in your heart. All of a sudden you'd say, honey, get the boxes. We've been keeping up in the attic with all the receipts. Let's get them down and show the guy we're honest and, and they're going to audit us. Who would say, oh, I'll be waiting on you. Come on in, let's have dinner. Let's sit down and talk. I want to get to know you, Mr. IRS agent. If you're an IRS agent, you probably live a very lonely life after people find out what you do, right? Well, those people were even worse in the first century. They ripped people off illegally. They took payments under the table. They made people pay higher tax than, than, than even the government said they should pay. And they would say, well, slip me a little bit and I'll let this go. And they would put money in their pocket. They were typically very wealthy people because they were so crooked. And those are the types of people Jesus said, I want to hang out with you. I want to spend time with you. Jesus spent time with prostitutes, loose women. Jesus said, I want to hang out with you. Addicts, Jesus said, I want to hang out with you. Really bad, non-law-abiding citizens, Jesus said, I want to hang out with you. In fact, the religious people of the day, it just blew their minds that Jesus Christ would want to hang out with those types of people because what they did to those types of people was say, whoa, 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 you're not good enough. You're not holy enough. You don't know enough about the Bible, the scriptures. Uh, you, you cannot be part of this. And so they asked the question of Jesus' disciples and Jesus, why do you hang out with people like that? You're the son of God. You're saying you're the Messiah and you're hanging out with lowlifes. Listen to what he says. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And see, you think you have this past that keeps you from getting close to God, when in fact your past is the very thing that makes God come and look for you and want to be a part of your life. Here's the kind of people Jesus hung out with. Liars, thieves, adulterers, drunks, addicts, prostitutes, and the list goes on and on. He hung out with them because he knew he could free them from their past. And when the church would stand over here, they thought, in perfection, and look at those people, they would say, you stay on that side of the line. And Jesus came and he looked at those people and he didn't see drunks. He didn't see addicts. He didn't see liars. He didn't see prostitutes. When he looked at those people, he saw this amazing potential and he saw future church leaders. He saw dedicated fathers. He saw mothers that were committed to raising their kids up to know about God. That's what he saw. The religious people messed it all up, and they just said, no, you're not good enough. You can't come here. And Jesus said, hey, I'm the ultimate fixer-upper. 
And if you think your life's a wreck, it probably is. But I see great potential in you, and I want to fix it. I want to make your life to where you don't have to be haunted by your past. Regardless of what I've done, Jesus sees great potential in me. And I thank God that Jesus didn't spend a lot of time with religious people. Because just like now, then, religious people did a really good job at keeping people away from God. They would build a wall up. A lot of the way people do now, they would build this wall up and they would keep people from God and give this perception that they are perfect. And if you can't be like us, then you can't be part of this. And if you've ever been caught up in the rules of religion, you know what I'm talking about. You know what it's like for people to say, no, you can't come here. You're not good enough. You can't be a part of this. Because too many of the bad things either define your life now or in the past. And so they held people away and they just could not get it when they saw Jesus hanging out with those types of people. See, Jesus did not want to spend time with perfect people. We say at LifePoint, if you're perfect, you have found the wrong church. I mean, you'll mess up what we got going if you keep coming here and you're perfect. (laughs) We got a great thing going and when perfect people start showing up, then it gets all messed up. I don't, I've, I've been around people who are perfect, and I don't like them. They don't like me either, so it's a mutual thing. Jesus did not come to hang out with perfect people because people, there are no perfect people, but there are people who think they're perfect. And those are the people who keep other people away from God. And in God's ultimate display of redemption and forgiveness and a twist in the story and a plot twist in his big story, about the church, God was looking for someone to lead the church one day. Who's going to lead my church? I'm sure God was thinking. And he pointed to a person, not a perfect church person. In fact, when God looked for someone to lead the church, and you can read this in scripture, he looked for the person, he picked the person who was harming the church the most when he looked for a person to lead it. In fact, if you open up your Bible, after the book of Acts, This person wrote more of those books than anybody else. Most of the books you read after Acts, two-thirds of the New Testament, written by a guy named, you've heard of as the Apostle Paul or Saint Paul. Then he was just plain old Paul. But before he was plain old Paul, he was a guy named Saul. And this guy Saul was a bad dude. If you were a Christian and you said, I I follow Christ, you don't want to say that in Paul's presence. You might get punched in the nose. You may get shackles put on your hands and pulled away. In fact, this guy Saul is recorded at this event in the New Testament where the first Christian martyr is ever recorded. His name was Stephen, and they stoned him because he spoke the name of Christ. And it says there was a young man named Saul standing there giving approval, like, nice job, folks. Now, they're Christian down. You totally stoned this one to death. Let me hold your coats for you so you can throw the rocks a little bit harder. That's what Saul was doing. Listen what it says about Saul. This is right after this happened to Stephen and he was stoned and it says but Saul began to destroy the church going from house to house he dragged off men and women and put them in prison that's what he was doing next chapter in the book of Acts meanwhile Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples he went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus so that if he found anyone there 
who belong to the way, another way of saying the church, whether men or women, he might take them prisoners to Jerusalem. Now that's how the most influential leader other than Jesus Christ in the church in history started out. That, that, was, that was his past. So when you said, Paul, close your eyes and think back 10 years, he would probably be like, oh, man, you, you don't want to know. 10 years ago, I, I, was, I was making sure Christians got killed. I was trying to destroy churches. That was his past. And if God can use a person like that to influence the world 2,000 years later, we're still reading the things he wrote, then he can use you. I don't think anybody in here has done anything that bad on the scales. To have people dragged off unjustly and put in prison just because of their faith. And God used that man, changed him from Saul to Paul. And you can read, if you read the book of Acts chapter 9, you can read that whole story about how he was changed into a new man. Even changed his name. And he could speak volumes on the topic of forgiveness and what it's like to be made right in a relationship with Christ. In fact, he does. In some of his letters, he wrote a letter to a church in a town called Colossae. And listen what he said to these people in the book of Colossians in the New Testament. And he speaks from experience when he says, For he has rescued us from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without single fault. That's the message that echoes through centuries that Paul wants us to get, that God wants us to get, that you stand before him. Those of you that have taken that step into the family of God, or if you've yet to take, and he wants you to know this can be you too, that you can stand before him without single fault. And people who stand before God without single fault have no reason to be haunted by their past. Even if some of those big words up there describe the way you are living now or the way you used to live. Just imagine what Paul would have missed if he would have allowed himself to be haunted by his past. What are you missing today? Because you're allowing these tapes to replay in your mind over and over again. You're allowing yourself to be haunted by something you did or didn't do, something in the past, and you will miss out on the life that God has planned for you. I find a lot of hope in Paul's story because when, when you look at that list of all those things, liars, thieves, adulterers, drunks, addicts, prostitutes, and just keep adding to the list, just think of other words to describe what people could be and do. I've done some stuff on that list. That, that list could have partially defined my life. And those things... Some of those things define my life personally before Jesus found me. And sometimes I find myself thinking, imagine what my life would have been like. 
had I never felt this presence of a God that's willing to come and meet me where I am and pull me into his family and erase the past. What would my life be like today? I wouldn't be standing here if I would have stayed there. But I thank God that he looks for leaders among rebels. And he looks for great men and women of God against great rebels against God. And, and you, you know the Donnie that's the pastor at LifePoint Church. That's who you know. Some of you I know really close. We've known each other for years. Some of you I don't even know who you are. And, and some we, we just know each other's names. But that, the Donnie you know is the one that you see here. And that's my, that defines my life today. Nothing hidden. This is my life today. But there used to be another Donnie that lived on this side of the line. One that, I mean, this is, we're going over 20 years ago now, 22 years ago now, saying it's time that I get out of this life and move into a new life. When I found that, I can experience this forgiveness. And it was a long time. My friends would say things to me like, you're a what? You're doing what now? I, I remember my 10-year high school reunion, people like, freaked out like you're no come on this was a joke right he's joking he's just playing a joke no this is really who I am and this is what I'm gonna do and this is what I'm doing in my life my wife never knew that person none of you ever knew that person but that person existed so I have a choice to make am I going to experience God's forgiveness and let it define my future or am I going to look into my past and be haunted by it See, we're all haunted and we find ourselves on this side of that line, all those things listed up there, because of things that came from us, things we did or didn't do. But there's another kind of haunting. The haunting that's in our lives because of things that were done to us. Things in our past that we didn't cause, we didn't perpetuate, had nothing to do with decisions we made. It was something Someone did to us. And that perhaps is the most difficult haunting to get past. Because you can look at what you've done and then it's, it's just all within you. But then when some person from the outside comes and harms you in a significant way, it can stick with you for the rest of your life. And there's only one thing that can set you free from the haunting of something that was done to you. And that's forgiveness. That's forgiving whatever that person did. And you might think, you don't know what they did. It was so horrible. I could never forgive them. When I watch the news and I see something bad that's happened, whether it's a murder or mistreatment or rape or anything, and someone with clenched teeth say, I will never forgive that person. I think, oh, you're going to be haunted for the rest of your life. You are giving that person control over you when you just don't just let it go. Just release them and forgive them. Now that's really hard to do when someone's hurt you really bad. But forgiveness is not a feeling. It's an act of the will. it's, It's deciding to forgive someone so they no longer have control over you. And to the extent I forgive is the extent I'm either haunted or not haunted by my past and what they did to me. Forgiving someone never gives approval 
to what they did. It never validates what they did. It just simply means you release them from having any control over you anymore. And I bet there's people sitting right here today that you've never taken that step and you've allowed something that someone did to you in the past continue to haunt you every day of your life and it doesn't have to be that way. Even if you think, but what they did to me was unimaginable. And it probably was. But when when there is sin in the world, people are going to sin and there's going to be victims. That's how the evil one that we talked about in the first part of this series, that's how the evil one wants your life to be. Defined by that, victimized by that. But forgiveness can take all of that away. Now, I can relate in this area more than you probably think I can too. Because I have had someone do terrible things to me. And I had to come to a point in my adult life where I had to say, okay, am I going to allow these terrible things someone did to me to continue to just infiltrate my mind and my thoughts and affect what kind of a person I am today? Or am I going to do what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 5 when he said, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you? Now that's hard to do. Because you've got to picture the person to pray for them. You've got to think about them to pray for them. And, and you know the prayer? It, your prayer may start out saying, God, I do not want to pray for this person. I would prefer you cause them to wreck their car over a long hill and it roll, roll, roll over and then explode at the bottom and they burn in the flames and then so they get a taste of what hell's going to be like them for eternity. I mean, that might be the prayer that you pray. I mean, really? We're human. And just say, God, that's how I feel about that person. But you said pray for them. So I'm praying, and they, their memory persecutes me, but I'm going to continue to pray. And even if you start with that prayer that I just said, you're starting, and you're praying. And every time you do that, whatever grip they have on you, a little bit of that's going to go, and a little bit more, and a little bit more, and a little bit more. And it never excuses what they did. It never makes it okay. But a little bit more is let go every single time you pray the prayer. When Jesus said that, he knew that we would end up being haunted by our past. So he said, pray for those people and forgive those people. Don't miss this about your past. Because I brought up a lot of stuff. and It may bring up a lot of memories, but don't miss this. Use your past. Don't let it use you. If, if your past is, oh, I wish I would have done this, I wish I would have done that, then go do it. I wish I would have taken that risk, then go take the risk. I wish I would have been a better mom or dad. Then whatever age your kids are, maybe they're not little anymore, just start being a better mom or dad, whatever age they are. Just start. I wish I would have finished school. Well, go finish school. Because when you look into your past, it's a waste of time because you can't change anything. You can't say, oh, I wish I would have done that, I wish I would have done that, and you spend all your life going back there wishing you would have done something. You can't. You can't go back and relive it. But what you can change is the future. You can start today and change things that are going to happen in the future. So use your past, but don't let it use you. And as you're thinking about the future, it's good to think, well, what am I doing today that I might be haunted by in the past? And that can change your decisions. That can change the way you interact and react with people. What am I doing today that I'm going to regret tomorrow? Well, I need to stop doing it. Use your past as the story 
Like last week, someone came up to me and said, I just wanted you to know that I'm 120 days sober, and I want to just let you know that and celebrate. Someone else came up and said, I just left a nine-week rehab center, and I feel better than I have in years. And I said to one of them, your story is going to be used to help people get where you are. To help other people have the strength. So don't use your story as something to beat yourself up about. Use your past as a reference point to where God has brought you from. Look into your past and say, yeah, I used to be that, I used to be that. But wow, what a testimony to the grace of God. That he brought me from all of those things to where I am now. So my past, yeah, it's bad. Before I knew Christ, I did some bad things. You probably did some bad things. But what an opportunity for God to display his grace. Because the evil one thought, I've got this one in my grips. And God said, no, you don't. I got big plans for him. He snatches me out of the grips of the evil one and says, I really want to use this guy to do something big and influence a lot of lives. And that's what he is saying about you too. So don't let your, you use your past. Don't let it use you. If we can get to this one big word and get it. So because if we're on this side of the line and all those things that are up there, you think, yeah, that defines me. If we can get this one thing, forgiveness, not giving it out. We want you to get that too. But another way to get another way to understand forgiveness is receiving it, receiving the forgiveness of God. Here's how the Bible talks about that forgiveness in Psalm 103. For his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth. He's removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. In other words, in an unlimited, immeasurable distance, that's how far you are from the old life when you come into the family of God. Now, the evil one would have you believe you're just right on the line. Well, I just barely stepped over the line, and there's all that bad stuff, and it's still right behind me, dogging me, making me remember it, affecting my life today. But God says, no, it's, it's, you can't measure how far the east is from the west. You can start going east, and you never end up going west. You just keep going east. You just keep going west. And God's saying, that's how far, that's how far I removed that past life from you. If he can take a guy who used to try to kill the church and use him to build the church greater than any human ever has, then he can take anything you've done and allow you to move on from that and it be a testimony to his grace and use you to have an amazing impact on the world, on your family, on your friends, no matter what it is. There's an old song by a guy named Stephen Curtis Chapman that it's called Remember Your Chains. And the words to part of the song are this. There's no one more thankful to sit at the table than the one who best remembers hunger's pain. No heart loves greater than the one that is able to recall a time when all it knew was shame. Remember your chains and remember your chains are gone. So your past, it either is a testimony to God's grace or if you've never stepped into the family of God, it can be a testimony to God's grace. And as Joel and Erica come up and sing this song, 
I want you to think through, what, what am I going back and getting and reliving that I shouldn't be? What happened in the past that's causing me to step across that line and feel that same thing again? What happened to me in the past that's causing me to go back there over and over and relive that when God said, just forgive it, forget it, and move on. And let me create a whole new you for the future. We all struggle with those things. As you hear the words to this song, song, think about the things that you keep going back into the past and getting. And think about how God wants you to release that. In a few minutes, I'm going to dismiss you. After the song, we're going to stand up. And some people are going to go out to the back. They're going to go over in the other theater. And they're going to have communion and time to just remember what God has done in your life. If you're a follower of Christ, just go over there. There's something for you to read as you just sit and remember. Some of you need to come right down here where I'll be. And you just need to say, pray for me so I can be free from my past. And if you've never taken that step across that line, I would love to share with you how you can begin that process of feeling totally, completely free from your past and allowing God to define your future and the life you're meant to live. You don't have to live 